Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 91 of Our Baseball Weekly, the weekly podcast on the baseball subreddit. My name is Naim, and today Dylan and Maz, the returning Maz, are going to be talking about the upcoming major Mets Braves series, uh, which could be a super meaningful for uh, for playoff implications. But first, I am joined by Kevin to talk about the news of the week. How's it going, Kevin? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, it's been a great week in the world, so I'm ready to talk about some baseball. You know, our teams uh, almost had a meaningful series this week, and then one of them uh, did not have a very meaningful September. <laughs> yeah, sad, sad indeed. But Brewers are not out of it yet. Not out of it. Nope. Still, still certainly be. in the playoff hunt. Just, uh, just not really in the uh, the uh, division hunt anymore. No, but uh, no, and you know, yeah. I've accepted that. For, for weeks now, so and I'm assuming so has <laughs> yeah, many no, of my I mean, fellow fans. <laughs> certainly, certainly a, a rough uh, a rough September for the Brewers, and not a great August either. Um, no, limping through, limping limping through, potentially going to make it in, into the playoffs, and then face the Cardinals again if uh, if they if they manage to limp their way. And in. if we get through the Cardinals, then the Dodgers are waiting for us on the other side. Yeah, so, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, uh, before we talk about, uh, the major league baseball, we want to talk a little bit about a world baseball classic. This is the, our baseball podcast, not the RMLB podcast. That would be a much worse show hosted by, uh, uh, a much less interesting person. Um, well, you know, I guess they'd be an interesting person. Just, uh, sure. uh the, uh, world baseball, the Czech Republic and Great Britain punched their tickets to the 2023 world baseball classic this past week, surviving the Germany qualifier. Uh, of note, unlike most teams that include a number of players both born in the U.S. or Caribbean with parents or grandparents that were born in that country, Czech Republic team is made up almost entirely of players born and raised in the Czech Republic. Only one player was born outside the Czech Republic. Great Britain, on the other hand, has a lot of like Bahamian players and uh, American players, I think, who are, whose parents were born in, in Great Britain. I think like uh, uh, Trevor Hoffman was like a coach for that team because his like dad was born in England or something like that. So it's like, oh. you know one of those things. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, play like any, any player who's like pa- parents or grandparents were born in the Bahamas before Bahama declared independence from Great Britain were eligible to play for the British team. Apparently there's movement for the, to have a team Bahamas for the next tournament. So the British team might, uh, might be losing some of their players. Technically my grandparents were born in great uh, in pakistan before uh before they declared independence from great britain so maybe i would be eligible for the british team but i would I certainly it. be eligible for uh one of the teams in the final qualifier in panama city uh panama as well as nicaragua brazil argentina pakistan and new zealand will be attempting to qualify those games will be live streamed over youtube at noon and 7 p.m eastern uh, almost every single day from September 30th to October 5th. I will certainly be watching Pakistan and World Baseball Classic qualifiers. I watched both of their humiliating losses in uh, 20... Uh, was the last one? 2017 or whatever? 2017, yep. Uh, yeah. Um, I have a Team Pakistan uh, hat and a Team Pakistan jacket. Um, that is... that. Those, uh, at least in 2017, I believe every single one of those players was a native-born Pakistani. Uh, I, I, you know, again, this is just because I happen to be on the show and I know this stuff. I, because I'm, I'm so excited about Team Pakistan. It's like they are, there's not a lot of baseball in Pakistan. These are all like guys who work for the, uh, like a national government organization, like the, you know, government power or whatever, um, or, or the water company. 
actually that's one company the yeah. water and power development authority uh, uh wapta my dad used to work for wapta um nice. but um they uh uh it's, it's like guys who work for that and like play baseball on the side and they, they don't have baseball fields they play on old soccer fields like they get equipment from their family who goes like who either lives in america and visits or is going to traveling to america they like bring baseball equipment yeah. back with them like it's it's a, it's a really really cool story there was an article of those written about it back in 2017 um uh i don't remember what publication it was written for but if i can find it i might throw it in the show notes as well i think that's the great story about the world baseball classic in general like we have a lot of these guys throughout all of these teams that have day jobs these nine to fives and are still staying physically active that they can go play what equates to a professional baseball it's fantastic yeah. to watch um i yeah. also have family from the czech republic so the fact that they qualified for the first time ever for the world baseball classic is massive i'm really looking forward to continuing to follow them as they go through this journey and even great britain punched it for the first time ever too so that's kind of a, a really unique thing we're seeing new teams they're expanding the field this year to 20 teams they're taking those 16 teams that were in 2017 giving them automatic qualifications and adding these four qualifying from these two different tournaments and the next one like you referenced is going to be in panama in a massive stadium with 27,000 people and it's going to be really cool to continue to see these teams get to compete and play and give us baseball from an international level a lot of these guys play cricket a lot of these um individuals yeah. necessarily don't have what you know what we would equate to baseball experience but we're seeing a ton of movement here and i just hope it keeps going by the way apparently uh jibran hamdan uh who played a little bit of nfl football and some i think xfl football and cfl football uh retired like 10 years ago will be playing for team pakistan and he was born in san diego so but he's like he's you know his mom is pakistani uh his, his dad is palestinian so that's uh that is like i think the, he's like the one one of maybe few there might be some more now but at least in 2017 there were not not a single <laughs> player that was not born in Pakistan. So. Right. And we're starting yeah. to see more and more of these uh, major league players starting to commit to their teams um, moving yep. forward in yes. 2023. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, de cool. we definitely know that uh, that a lot more uh, major league players will be playing for Team USA, for example. So that, that'll be exciting. I, I think it'll be exciting WBC for sure. Looking forward to seeing it. I think YouTube's carrying a lot of it too, and it looks like a lot of these games are free online for individuals to watch. So if any yeah, of our listeners are looking, it to looks pay like attention. all the qualifiers are. Because I again in 2017, I remember I remember having to find streams of the qualifiers because yeah. uh, it was just it was tough to watch. But uh, you know, I think YouTube and MLB obviously have a relationship now that they did not have in the past. And uh, obviously, the World Baseball Classic is is uh, you know sponsored by Major League Baseball. So I think uh, it's nice that it's, it's a lot easier to to watch, especially you know, especially in a lot of those a lot of these other countries, right? YouTube, you can mm -hmm. watch anywhere uh, for the most part. You know, if you're not in like North Korea or whatever, you can you can right. pretty much watch YouTube anywhere. Uh, so it's very it's it's great for you know the people in these countries in in Nicaragua, Brazil, Argentina, Pakistan, New Zealand, who would have a lot more trouble getting MLB Network even than we get, right? So mm -hmm. it's uh, yeah, it's great. Yep. Uh, all right, let's talk about some of the Major League Baseball news of the week. Uh, probably the biggest news story in baseball. Maybe this year. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, Albert Easily. Pujols uh, finally hit that 700th home run. Uh, something that I think at the beginning of the season, we, we've talked about this quite a bit. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad that I, I managed to to be on this episode to talk about it. Um, uh, you know, at the beginning of this year, we were it was like, we hope it's going to happen by the All-Star break. It was like, it looks like it's not going to happen. And then, you know what? Albert Pujols decided to just turn it on and look 
you know, not quite like the Albert Pools of old, but but definitely, you know, you can see what that guy used to be. And uh, and he hit that 699 and 700 uh, in the, I think, the, the first or the second and the fourth innings uh, in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium, uh, which he says is the place he fell back in love with baseball, which is also just so, so cool. I was talking to a, a friend about this where, like, you know, it's uh, where what are the best places for, you know, at least in, this, in these last two weeks for Pools to hit that 700th home run. And it pretty much, you know, if it, if it wasn't going to happen at Bush, which was very unlikely because the Cardinals have like three games at Bush and in in like against the Pirates, which, you know, it's gonna, he, he's going to hit a home run against the Pirates, I'm sure. But uh, but it was like they only had three games at home. So it was like, OK, well, then Dodger Stadium is, the, is probably the second best place for it to happen. Yeah, so. I was um, looking earlier and uh, baseball writer, I think his name is Greg Armiser. Arm Singer had pretty much predicted on April 13th that he was going to hit the 700th career home on the road Friday night in Los Angeles in September. I'm looking at the tweet right now. Yeah. So he absolutely knows. Yeah, yeah, Greg Amzinger said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's like, it's wow. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, it's, it's one of those like mathematics, you know, if, if he had like, if it wasn't, if he had a, a pretty standard season for himself, it kind of would have fallen in, around that time anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, it got to that point where, like, in July, it just it did not look like it was going to happen at all. Greg Amzinger, by the way, is from St. Louis. Uh, grew uh, up in St. Louis, so definitely uh, watched Albert Pujols play a little bit uh, in in you know in his youth, um, uh, or at least in his early twenties. But uh, he graduated Lindenwood University, which is in St. Saint, Saint Louis, uh, in two thousand one, which was Albert Pujols' rookie year. So he, was, he definitely you know grew up a Cardinals fan. He started started out as a KMOX producer. So um, you had referenced uh, yeah, earlier. I, Pujols playing like himself is old. If you take out all of those uh, numbers from it, from Anaheim, he really is kind of playing like, you know, St. Louis Albert Pujols, which is kind of an interesting thing too. You take out those yeah, numbers. Uh, definitely almost. Yeah. That, 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 that definitely like, you know, this second half, he kind of, he's even hitting righties pretty well. Uh, by the way, one stat that was, uh, that was put out was that, uh, you know, out of his 700 home runs, exactly 500 against righties, exactly 200 against lefties, uh, which is, you know, just a weird, cool stat. It's kind of like that, uh, that stat of like, um, um, Stan Musial has hit, uh, you know, hit 3,630 hits, yeah. 1815 against at home and 1815 on the road or something like right. that. So it's just too statistically uh, weird to actually be true, but it is exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, what else I was reading, but, uh, he's also now hit off of more pitchers than any other person in major league history. That's yes, 455 yes. different pitchers. Which is just yeah. I think I, I think we did talk about that a, a little uh, a couple weeks ago. But yeah, that's uh -huh. like it's one of the, it's one of those things where like you know if if you are a good hitter and you stay in the league for a long time and you spent ten years in the NL and ten years in the AL, you're gonna have a, a lot more of those opportunities. Yep. Uh, I was gonna say thirteen uh, home runs against lefties and eight against righties. You know, which is kind of a surprise considering that you know he's he's mostly deployed as a platoon hitter. He's got a six seventy eight OPS against righties uh, and eleven fifty five OPS against lefties. Like it's certainly you know he's certainly been better against uh lefties and that's that's a thing that, that the dodgers did very well with him was deployment against lefties but mm -hmm. uh you know you look at his first and second half he had a 676 ops in the first half and a 1061 ops in the second half six home runs in the first half 15 in the second half it's yeah. truly astounding what he sort of like yeah turned turned into and yeah that, that you know that uh 1061 second half OPS would not be too out of place in his uh, first 10 seasons as a full season OPS. So, 
Yeah, and as Dylan and I were talking about last week, it's not only is he doing all of these things, but he's helping the Cardinals to win a division. I mean, he's being Absolutely. an active player yep. that is allowing yeah. him to just it's it's too poetic for baseball, and I, and right. I absolutely and it's, love it's, it. It's, it's how can you not be romantic about baseball, right? It's one yep. of those things where, like, you know, earlier in the season, it was like, well, you know, you have Corey Dickerson who was like not doing well, and Corey Dickerson sort of turned it around too. But like Juan Yepes, uh, the rookie, like managed to get a lot of plate appearances in because Pujols was not hitting very well, Dickerson was not hitting very well, and the Cardinals uh, a few weeks ago had to send Yepes down because. Uh, Pujols and Dickerson were hitting to one like we don't really have use for him and then they called Yepes up and sent Nolan Gorman back down because they were like well you know we, we kind of again we've kind of filled the slot that Gorman is supposed to fill so we can't really use him right now because we have like Brendan Donovan hitting really well and and Albert Pujols hitting at DH really well and like you know you kind of like all right maybe you send the the you know the rookie who's having a pretty good season uh, not the best season in the world, but like a pretty decent rookie campaign. But you're like, all right, well, maybe we just, you know, send him back down, take him off the off the 25 man roster because we kind of can. You know, you have the flexibility to do that when when your 42 year old DH is yeah. uh, is hitting like he was when he was a uh, well, 30 year old first baseman. The DH, like the serendipitous event that even allowed him yeah. to come back to St. Louis in this role at all. If the NL doesn't adopt Absolutely. the universal DH, then we don't even have this conversation whatsoever. So just yeah. kudos to baseball to getting it right and awesome that we get to watch it. And I think you yep, were going to mention something. He's getting closer to Babe Ruth on that RBI record too, isn't he? Yeah, he's at 2,208 RBI. Jo- uh, Babe Ruth, I almost said George Ruth, which would be correct. Um, that would be, yeah. Was at uh, two, uh, 2,213. So he's only five RBI off of Babe Ruth's career number, and that would be number two all time. Obviously, Hank Aaron is is. Uh, listen, if Pujols isn't going to do it, I I think it's safe to say Hank, Hank Aaron might be unreachable. But we'll see. Yeah. You know, there's there's plenty of guys who are young who could who could uh, challenge that in 20 years. But uh, it's certainly unreachable for Pujols. But uh, but that right. five RBI away, that 22 13, is certainly not out of reach for Pujols. So by the end of this season, he could end up at number two on the RBI list. But he is number four on the home run list. He's the fourth player ever to hit seven home runs, uh, joining uh, uh, Ruth, Aaron, and Barry Bonds. Uh, what a career for Albert Pujols. Uh, I'm so excited. I got to see so much of it. And man, you're, you're right. The fact that he got to come back to St. Louis and do it all, like it's so, it's so storybook. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's awesome. It's just so, 332 plate appearances this year. Like that's incredible. Yeah. And it's just going up and up and up and we get to watch him in, in meaningful playoff baseball coming up and it's going to be just crazy. Yeah. So Naim, if you're the guy who catches number 700, are you giving it back to Albert or are you sitting and selling it for a cool couple million? You know, that's that's such a such a difficult question. It, here's what I'll say, right? The guy who is keeping it and holding on, I don't think he's wrong. I think that's absolutely like with a well within his right to do. That is like and and you know, I'm sure at some point he's going to sell it, but like it is a piece of of baseball history. Like yep. This is one of the all-time greats. Pujols is going to go into the Hall of Fame in five years. Like, that's not a question. Um, You know, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer without question. Uh, Would I do it? Much different question. Oh, 100%. As a diehard Cardinals fan, yeah, that's not even a question. But when the man himself is quoted as saying, souvenirs are for the fans, I don't have any problem, then... That's it. That's that puts the question to bed. If Pujols has a problem with it, then we're absolutely. Right. Yeah, I would say as a diehard Cardinals fan, I would probably give it back for a good amount of merch, some signatures and whatnot. Like, yeah, and, and you know, maybe, maybe 
maybe playoff <laughs> tickets at least. <laughs> like, yeah, I no, would season... want to be in that building every single game. Period. Yeah, season. T- I mean, season tickets would that would be the 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 initial ask for sure. Season tickets yes. for life would definitely be my starting ask, and then yes. we'd see what we get negotiated down to. But I'd certainly negotiate. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I I think I think what I'd say is is I would go. I would tell the team I'm happy to negotiate, but I'm not giving you it tonight. Right? Like yep, I want absolutely. to negotiate. I want to give this to you, but I want to take my time and not be like yeah, give me a jersey and we're good to go. This is the 700th home run of one of the greatest players of all time. Like you can't, that's a a completely different calculus. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, that's life-changing money right there for some people. Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, look, if he goes right now and and puts it on eBay, he could get $2 million for it, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, that's, you know. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, people who are less interesting than Albert Pujols. Um, Aaron Judge. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Judge. Judge did hit his 60th home run this week. Uh, he has not hit his 61st. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, I am not a hater personally, but I know a lot of you are of Zach Hampel, uh, who was in New York waiting for Aaron Judge to hit a 61st home run while Albert Pujols was in Los Angeles hitting 699 and 700 in the same night. Um, so <laughs> so uh, if, if you're one of those Zach Hampel haters, you'll be glad to know that Zach Hampel was on the other coast not watching Aaron Judge hit number 61. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, we're, I'm sure all of us are getting our MLB app notifications saying, Hey, Aaron Judge is up to bat. You want to see him try to hit 61? It is the most since a player has hit since most that a player has hit at all since 2001. Um, uh, which was, you know, obviously bonds. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, so uh, like there's nothing you, you can't be upset about 60 and no. he's still got a week and a half to hit one home run to tie it. Right. And two home runs to to take the the AL lead, the AL record. Yeah. I, I mean, he's gonna do it, right? right. Like it doesn't yes. it's like it it feels like it's it's a foregone conclusion, but the more like the longer we get, the more it's like yeah. he's gonna he's gonna do it, right? He's right. gonna He's going to do it, right? All right? A couple of sides on, on the whole Aaron Judge thing. Uh, random note, my mother and stepdad randomly were in New York City on a vacation and happened to buy Yankee tickets for funsies and were at that game when the judge hit 60 and Stanton walks it off against the Pirates. And she Incredible. describes it as the most unreal baseball experience she's ever had in her life. And, you know, she's 60-plus and been into a ton of baseball games. And to be able to hear that, I can't even imagine what the environment must have been like in that stadium when that happened or what it's going to be like if they managed to hit it at home when he hits 61 or 62. Also, you said it was a foregone conclusion. There's already auction houses in New York that are offering $2 million-plus for 62 when it happens. Yeah. And so if that number is $2 million now, imagine what it is when he hits 61. It's probably going to be closer to 5, 6, 10. Like, that's... A, a non-contested baseball record. There is no asterisk next to that. There is nothing that you can say to take it away from breaking Maris's record, and that's what this right. is all about. This is what we were yeah, talking and, about and again, during and, the race. And as, as we've mentioned, in uh, I definitely mentioned it with uh, Phil in like last week's episode or, or a previous episode um, that like you know even regardless of uh the the bonds number and the mcguire number this is the american league record right even if you if if you if you you know if you're yep. if you're you know whatever argument that you have about steroids wh- whichever side of the argument you're on you know i am on one side i i don't know what side kevin's on but like whatever argument you might you may whatever side of the argument you may be on 
the American League record is still the American League record. In baseball is is one of those sports where we still continue to do an American League and National League MVP, and you know, so we can still do that separation. So the sixty one or sixty two is still going to be an American League record, and and it's still going to be you know a huge number for Judge. Uh, they have uh, three in Toronto. Uh, three against Baltimore in New York, and then four in Texas. Oof! I, you know, I, I think, you know, I, it, it feels like he's probably going to hit a home run against Baltimore, right? At yeah. least. Yep. You think? So the question is, is he going to hit one in Toronto before that, or is he going to hit one in Texas after that, or is he going to hit two against Baltimore? It could go any which way. And there's, there's, they are playing Boston tonight, right? It's in a rain delay, I think. I think it was. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's re- resumed yet, but it, it has been for the last several minutes. So you know, he he. Uh, again, I'm sure it would be uh, pretty like I, I I don't know, you know, as a Cardinals fan for for the Pujol 700, right? The best place to see him hit it would be Bush. The second place to see him hit it would have been Wrigley, right? Yep. So if I'm a Yankees fan, I would assume the second best place to see Aaron Judge hit number 61 would be at Fenway Park. Absolutely. No uh, doubt. So, so especially over the monster, like that visual. Still a is possibility all we need. <laughs> of that happening tonight of Aaron Judge hitting a home run over the monster tonight. Well, well we it might happen while we're recording. Well, we'll keep right. an eye on it. You might listen in the morning and be like, "All right, it happened." Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it is still in rain delay. Uh, uh, after the sixth inning, Yankees are up two nothing. So technically, if they call this game, it's a complete game. And they won't have to continue the last three innings, but uh, but I think uh, ESPN would very much like them to play the other the, the last three innings. Speaking uh, of which, how how um, bitter do you think all the major networks were that Apple TV got Pujols' seven hundred as opposed to you know the national networks getting anything out of it? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, certainly I know Cardinals fans were were a little annoyed at least that uh, that Dan McLaughlin didn't get to call it. That would have been the def- you know like. And he was he was on the radio with uh, with uh, John Rooney and and Ricky Horton and and he actually ceded that call to John Rooney who's who's been the radio voice of the Cardinals for a while who's doing it with Mike Shannon now is is the um, the, the play by play every day, um, but uh, you know that's 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 the defining call of a guy's career it can be at least uh, and uh, and you know didn't get to be on on. Cardinals TV, which is a bummer, but you know what? That's if, if there's if there's only one bummer among a bunch of great things, it's fine. A um, real good way to look at it, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's still a great radio call. Uh, but yeah, again, if if he hits, I, I would imagine if he hits 61 on ESPN, uh, I'm sure a lot of Yankees fans will will be at least a little unhappy that they didn't get to hear their guys call it. So, right, I, I would agree with that. But at least again, you know, at least there's although. ESPN radio has games too, but I think the you still can listen to. No, I don't think you can actually. I think ESPN gets the games on TV and radio. So if he hits it in ESPN, they don't even get a radio broadcast. That would be a huge bummer. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Well. I think I could be wrong, but I think that's the way it works. All so, right, Yankee well, fan listeners, I'm sorry. I hope it all works out for you. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe it's not. So, um, all right, let's let's move on. Uh, unless we have anything else to say about Aaron Judge. Uh, I think no, we're going to move on so. to the other New York team. The Mets clinched their first postseason berth since 2016, uh, which, you know, is not that long ago. Uh, it, it's, 
Yeah, not a short time ago, but it's the 2016. For, is not that for long. For a New ago. York team, it feels like it's been longer because it's just it been certainly in the media does. It constantly. certainly does. Uh, they still have not clinched the division. They're only a couple of games ahead of Atlanta, who is very much threatening to to take that spot away from them. Uh, it's you know uh, as we've said in the past, it's, it's pretty much foregone that one will win the division, the other will be, I think, the number one wild card in the yep. uh, in the National League. You know, I think I think that's pretty, pretty much pretty straightforward. Yeah, pretty, I think everyone's yeah. operating that there's only one wild card spot up for grabs, really, um, or two, I guess, the bottom two. Uh, yeah, the, but, the, the the bottom, yes, the bottom two will go to one of two of three teams. So yes, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, good for the Mets. The Guardians also clinched the division. They had apparently 10 to 1 odds at the beginning of the season. Uh, as we went through the season, they didn't really look like they were going to be the playoff team. And then the Twins kind of collapsed. The White Sox, who had a very bad start, didn't seem to to pull up the, the finish that they would have liked to, I'm sure. Uh, and so the Guardians clinched the AL Central, uh, notoriously the worst division in baseball. <laughs> The Guardian social media team was uh, was aces after their game. They took a, a 45 second post out on Twitter and said, remember at the beginning of the season when you were all were talking all that smack while well, we were taking notes and it goes and does a, a whole preview of all of the predictions for the beginning of the season and had him finishing bottom of the division, you know, 0.0% chance of playoffs. And now we're sitting there looking, they've won their first title since 2018. They're the youngest team in all of baseball. You know, you've ripped off 18 in the last 21 games and you've won seven straight like they've yeah. got a 10 lead 10 game lead in the division and they were tied for first place at september 4th if that's not a dominant you know couple of weeks and setting yourself up for a very very strong playoff run i don't know what it is i don't want to see any team wants to play the guardians right now and i think they're just an excellent team to watch and i'm very much looking forward to see what they can do yeah yeah well i mean you know the uh the mariners i it seems certainly don't want to play the guardians no, uh no they yeah they uh they lost 13 to 12 to the royals uh after allowing 11 runs in like the 6th or 7th inning to Kansas City yeah. just truly truly some of the worst baseball like it's it's i mean there's not there's nothing more embarrassing than that like it's a dropping 11 runs to a bad team in one inning <laughs> in one right. it's like and it's not Man, that's just I, I I can't even form the words for I was saying to, to Kevin before the show, like that's the kind of inning that I watch. And if I'm a Mariners fan, consider stop being a Mariners fan. Like, well, not a, only that, bad. but they had eight runs in the top yeah. of the fifth inning. So, yeah, they're, they're on they're cloud like nine, in, right? Yeah. I mean, it runs in the top of the fifth to and allowed 11 in the top, bottom of the sixth or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Just, like. Uh, I mean, how do you I'm, talk to a team after that and be like, okay, guys, I know we're still in the playoff hunt and it's still going to be all right, but God, <laughs> Royals are 63 and 90. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think they still have a 99.9% like playoff probability. Oh, um, boy. That's right. They haven't officially clinched it yet, have they? They have not officially clinched it yet. They're oh. not yet officially a playoff team. And, uh, you know, that that's that's the joke running around, right? That uh, that they're testing every inch of that 99.9% playoff probability. Because, uh, boy, that is... And I mean, if they end up losing it, Baltimore is going to be the team that upsets them. So yes. that's even crazier to think about from a baseball perspective that... 
you know, Mariners might be out and the Baltimore Orioles might be in. Like, what world are we living in right now? Orioles have a 0.3%. Uh, Rays have a 99.8%. Blue Jays have a 99.9%. So, obviously, that's where the 0.3 for the Orioles comes in. Uh, with a <laughs> half play, the Orioles are, like, what, four games behind the Mariners? They are, uh, yes. Like, it's not likely... But if the Mariners continue to play like this, it's not out of the question. And the fact that it's not out of the question is kind of embarrassing enough. Right? And like, if they do end up sliding it away, you can point to one inning in one game. Uh, yeah. We might be uh, have just seen it. Yeah, we might have just seen it. And it was like a lot of blame to go around. You know, there were, there were multiple players who gave up four or five runs each in that inning. Like, it's not like it's, you know... One of those, one of those, just a, a single pitcher blew up. It's just like yep. nobody could get outs. It's a conscious just, effort to lose like that. Honestly, I, I mean, honestly, like it's 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 honestly astounding. It it truly, truly, I I don't I don't even know what to say. Um, let's let's talk a little more about the NL wild card race. Uh, because I know you put this in the in the outline and you are very invested in the NL wild card race. Was there something yeah. specific you wanted to mention about it? Um, just the fact that there's a three-game horse or a three-team horse race for the final spot, um, I find kind of compelling. And that we have yeah. different stories. So we have the Brewers, Phillies, and Padres pretty much all beating each other up for one spot, sitting at the last wild card. Or, uh, well, right, one of those teams will not make it; the other ones will. So what do you do? Um, I think the Brewers uh, have a chance. Obviously, we have three series at home to finish out. We don't have to go on the road at all. Uh, we finish out with the Cardinals for two, the Mariners, uh, and then uh, the D-backs to finish it out. Phillies have to be on the road for the last three series, the, the Cubs, the Nationals, and then finishing out on the road at Houston. And the Padres have home against the Dodgers, home against the White Sox, and home against the Giants. So anything can happen. Brewers are only one and a half games out going into tomorrow, their last off day of the year. Uh, I'm looking forward to at least paying attention to the couple of games that we're looking at here. Anything is possible, like we were saying. So we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah, and and you know, as as I again, as as I know, I've said a couple of times, if uh, if I'm baking on any team to have a, a late last week and a half collapse, it's San Diego or Philadelphia uh, or Seattle, who is definitely having that as well. Um, so you know, uh, uh, Philadelphia is three and seven in their last. Uh, 10 and they've lost their last two uh, uh milwaukee is six and four they lost their last one so like it's you know it's not out of the question st louis also for what it's worth is not having a great last 10 they're five and five uh and obviously just dropped two to the dodgers so like uh that's that's another point in milwaukee's favor right they're going up against a st louis team that is good but having a little bit of struggle uh followed by a seattle team that is again probably good but having maybe the worst week of their lives uh yeah. and then an arizona team that is not very good so it's uh it's it's definitely definitely seems within reach for milwaukee at least at least the stuff that's their own fate you know seems like their next three series are the kind of games they can win um and then it's up to san diego and philadelphia to you know to lose more than milwaukee wins but Right. And, you know, I mentioned the Cardinals uh, are very close to clinching their division. But thanks to the Dodgers, now we have a chance to split with the Cardinals and avoid them clinching the NL Central in Milwaukee, which I personally just don't 
want to see. But hey, you know, we still have to win one of those two games. But if we don't, then you'll be dancing on AmFam Field and popping champagne in our locker rooms. Yeah, maybe I should go to Wednesday's game. You're right. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> well, let's see what I, happens I, on Tuesday first. That's that's true. But like, if, that's the thing. If I if I go on Tuesday and then the Cardinals win and then have a chance to clinch on Wednesday, then I wish I got on Wednesday. So I don't know. Right. I'm considering. I'm, I'm. You know what? I might not even go to either game. I might just be like, I'm too lazy to drive to Milwaukee. But uh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's. It's. I don't know. I don't know. What else is there to do in Milwaukee? You know, it's like go. Lots of bars. I, lots. Yeah, lots and I don't drink. <laughs> well, then um, there's a lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll go to the Fonzie statue. Is that? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. As far as the updated playoff picture, I mean, we've kind of talked about all that. Like it, Toronto, mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, Seattle have pretty much clinched it. They, they, you know, Tampa Bay and Seattle can still uh, flip flop spots. Toronto could too. They're only two and a half games ahead of Seattle, so the the three wild card spots could change. But the three division leaders are locked: Houston, New York, Cleveland. Uh, as far as the National League, again, the Dodgers and the Mets are. The Dodgers are locked. They're locked as the number one seed. Um, technically, by the way, the Yankees are not locked as the division winner, but they're far enough ahead that it seems highly unlikely that they won't win the division. I think their their magic number is probably like one or two. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so in the, in the National League, uh, Dodgers have locked the division and they have locked um, with 106 wins the, uh, the top seed. Uh, Mets and Atlanta have both locked playoff spots but uh again one of them is going to win the division the other one can be the number one uh, wild card cardinals have not yet locked a playoff spot but it, as we've said it's pretty much a foregone conclusion unless they have a nightmare week um uh and and you know i think san diego would have to have the best week of their lives something like that or no sorry uh, the milwaukee would have to have the best week of their lives the brewers, uh, yeah yeah uh if, if the brewers do yeah, no, it have to be the Brewers. Yeah, the Brewers um, have to win out. The Cardinals have to lose out, and something. But else then, but then also the the Padres and the uh, Phillies have to do well enough to like keep the Cardinals from like you know from not even getting a playoff spot. Yeah. But otherwise, the Cardinals are are pretty much guaranteed for the playoffs and pretty much guaranteed to win the division. And then, as we said, the uh, whichever team loses of New York and Atlanta is going to be the. Um, the division winner and then the, the wild card and then San Diego Federal Milwaukee, which, which certainly is the race probably most worth watching, right? Everything else yep. is seeding at this point, but, uh, but San Diego Philadelphia Milwaukee games, if you are interested in, you know, trying to just see who's going to make a playoff spot uh, and, and less interested in the actual seeding of it all. Right. And those are the three teams to be watching for this, uh, this last week and a half of baseball. Yes, sir. Down to the final stretch. Down to the final, final stretch. Um, what's what's your feeling? Do you think the the Brewers are going to make the playoffs? I'm never going to be a guy that's going to bet against this team ever. But sure. from a realistic yeah. standpoint, if you're looking at everything going, they have a tall hill to climb. That is the reality of where they are. That is the reality of their remaining schedule and their performance that we are currently seeing. Today yeah. was a must-win game against the Reds, and we managed four hits against a bad team, and we lost 2-1 to one in a late-inning collapse by one Matt Bush. So if you're asking me if I really think there's a chance, yes, there's always a chance. There's always a possibility. Uh, 
certainly it's, it's going right? to be yeah. hard. It's going to be yeah. very difficult. Right. And it's definitely not one of those things where I'm supremely confident by any stretch. But again, I mean, you know, you, you look you look at the Phillies, right? Phillies just lost a must win game to the Braves. Obviously, the Braves are a good team and the Reds are not a good team. But yep. uh, but, the you know, the Phillies are not necessarily having a great time. That's the team you need to overcome. That's the team you're a game and a half behind. And look, your last nine games on the road, that's nothing to scratch at. Like that is you are going to be grinding yeah. on the road against foreign teams that don't want you to win. And, you know, that's just the reality. Like home field advantage is a big thing in baseball. And I think the Phillies are going to find that out very soon. Right now. Now, again, you know, we, we mentioned the teams that they're facing. The field, the Phillies are facing two bad teams and a good team, uh, but a good and also a good team that has nothing to play for anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, whereas the the Brewers are playing two good teams and a bad team, but two good teams that are, that have something to play for uh, one of which that is not playing all that well. So like, well, it's, it's the it's Marlins, really, not it's, the Mariners. It's the Marlins. So we got four against the Marlins at home. Oh, sorry. Miss. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, um, uh, so then, so sorry. So then uh, one good team and two bad teams as well. Right. So, but yeah, it's all about momentum. It's all about momentum. So if we can somehow get through St. Louis and we're riding high against the Marlins, then, you know, we'll get those last three games. You never know. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, we will keep an eye on this, uh, as always, and we will let you know, uh, as we, uh, come to the end of our section of the recording, the, uh, Yankees Red Sox game is still tied. Uh, it's still delayed or not, not tied. It's two nothing, but still delayed. So, uh, so we, we do not know, uh, if Aaron judge has hit number 61 yet, uh, very well could happen after we stop recording. If, uh, if I'm still in the edit, while yes. uh, while it happens, I'll drop it in. Yes. But otherwise, uh, otherwise, Kevin, thanks so much for joining me on this show. Absolutely, no, I mean, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on once again, and I'm very excited to see this last week of baseball. Absolutely, me as well. Uh, and now I'm going to kick it to Dylan and Maz, uh, talking about the upcoming Braves Met series, which very well could be the most important series of both teams' seasons. Welcome back, everyone. This is Dylan. Uh, we are excited to welcome back uh, our longtime co-host and contributor to the podcast, Maz. It's been a few months, but uh, we wanted to get your perspective on this Braves-Mets race that we have unfolding, um, and you were the perfect person to do it. So how are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Like you said, it has been a minute, uh, but I'm here. I figure I could carve out some time out of uh, you know my busy schedule of telling people why Aaron Judge is not the AL MVP to, oh. uh, you know, come on here and, and talk about my beloved Mets for a little bit. Um, I think you can really, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to just gloss right over that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's one of the last real division races kind of left yeah. in, in the league. So I figured like, yeah, let, let's get on. Me and you will chat for a little bit and uh, I, could, I could bring some of my energy to the podcast this week. Exactly. Um, I think you could devote probably another 40 minutes to your Aaron Judge take, but we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe as the awards, you know, stuff comes out, we'll, we'll leave all of our hot takes out on the table in a couple of weeks. Maybe. So, Maybe I'll um, be back. <laughs> yeah, we shall see. Um, but yeah, so I'm the kind of resident Braves fan. You're the kind of resident Mets fan in our, you know, small circle here. So um, just kind of going to throw out kind of where our teams stand, how we kind of view these last couple of weeks. And um, it kind of culminates with the the penultimate series for each team 
um, is the series against each other uh, at the end of what we did next week, um, next weekend. So um, should be, I think it's going to be tight. Obviously we'll see how things go when we get to that point. But um, if you just want to start with, you know, give us an idea of <laughs> Mets fan, where you're at with where the team's at, where they're, how they're performing all that. Right now, like it, it's wild. I mean, arguably the Mets should have a hundred ish wins um, upon the completion of the season. Uh, you know, a task which they've only done, uh, you know, a couple times in their history. And it's just amazing that arguably the best Met team of my lifetime. I mean, you could argue that 2000 was the, a great team. 2006 mm. was a great team. It's so frustrating that arguably the best Met team of my lifetime is in a race right now or only one and a half games up in the division. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's kind of important thing to not lose sight of here is that this is a very good Mets team. We are performing really well. Um, it's just that the Braves just don't lose and they made some really good signings in the offseason. They got a couple of really good rookies that they brought up and they're just not going away. Like I think a lot of people thought they might regress to. Yeah. It's it's definitely, you know, from my perspective, you know, both teams, I think both teams will finish with 100 wins at this point. You know, neither of their schedules are that difficult. They're both playing. I wouldn't really well be shocked right at that. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of where we're headed. If if nothing else, 99, you know what I mean? It's going to be really tight. Um, the Mets are currently a game and a half up. Um the Braves currently have a higher run differential. Um, that obviously means different things to different people, right? Um, the Mets mm -hmm. offense maybe isn't as conducive toward blowing teams out of the water as like this Braves like home run approach, right? So some of that might be baked into that. And the Mets are definitely like more of like a all around maybe pitching team, um, you know, structural wise, at least with the Grom and Scherzer there. So there's mm -hmm. reasons for each of those. Um, but yeah, I it's really interesting too and the Braves won the World Series last year with what like a 90 win team you know and without their best player and now you know they have a 100 win team and there's a team right there so it's kind of like the same it's kind of like the same on both sides and it feels like every game that we win the Mets win every game time the Mets lose the Braves stumble somehow and or some mishmash of those things so it's been really a strange race for the last like month ever since the Braves kind of got back into it yeah yeah absolutely it's they, they there hasn't really been a point in the season aside from maybe the first month or two where the Mets were kind of just like rolling and the Braves were just middling along yeah um but like aside from that they've consistently within the last two or three months been within like five games uh which is needless to say pretty stressful <laughs> yeah um so why don't we start with kind of how the pitching has been doing recently obviously scherzer just comes back recently and then is what he's perfect for six innings is that what he ended he, up doing yeah he looks like scherzer uh <laughs> max scherzer you know, is max scherzer Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot take, but Max Scherzer is good at baseball. Really good. Um, can you kind of give, like, I feel like the, it's it's almost like a waste of space saying, hey, how are DeGrom and Scherzer doing, right? But um, obviously, we don't know how that series is going to match up as far as, you know, who's going to go where and whatnot. So can you give maybe a broad overview of everyone else in that Mets rotation and maybe a little bit of the bullpen stuff? Yeah, that that's the thing is I think, 
the most concerning thing about the Mets starting rotation is it's obviously probably a top two or top three. I mean, you could put the Dodgers in there. You could probably put the the Astros in there as well. But like we're definitely like a top three rotation in baseball. It's just the health. That's really the concern. It has been all year. Seeing Scherzer going on the IL twice is not ideal. Uh, Jake has looked really well since he's come back, but you never know. Yeah. Um, I think those are the two main concerns. Okay, everybody's rolling now, but let's see what it looks like when the postseason starts. Can we do DeGrom and Scherzer back-to-back? If we can, then I like our chances, Um, especially with a guy like Bassett as your number three and then even Taiwan Walker as your number four, uh, who have been no slouches this year. I think people don't really realize that when they, you know, they see DeGrom and Scherzer and, you know, Whoever we face in the first round, whether that be the wild card of the division series, are always going to be like, well, we got to deal with DeGrom and Scherzer. Hey, Chris Bassett's really good, too. Yeah. <laughs> he he's exactly. arguably might be the number one on any, you know, probably 20 out of the 30 teams. He might be their number one starter. Yeah. Um, so I, I think our starting rotation looks really well. I think the main concern, and any Met fan will tell you this, is probably the bullpen mm-hmm. outside of Edwin Diaz, who is the best closer on the face of the planet right now. It's really the bullpen. Uh, do I really trust Adam Ottavino in a tight spot? Yeah. Not really. <laughs> when they played last, uh, I think that was like the the glimmer of hope the Braves had was when, you know, DeGrom leaves or, Scherz, you know, whoever's pitching, right? Bassett's pitched strong. Carrasco is pretty good. You know, when one of them leaves and it's not the ninth inning yet or even the eighth because obviously buck has been i think using edwin very liberally which i'm sure is a very interesting you know perspective based on how he used to use Zach britain but um, yeah he, he's been using uh edwin in the eighth if yeah. like he feels like the heart of the order is coming right. up you know he, he's not above like cheating him out of a save opportunity yeah, to which you know, i'm get sure hitters out <laughs> i'm sure is like a real treat to mets fans you know like yeah. using your best players is somehow a great strategy. Um, but <laughs> it's that thought? it's that middle ground where, you know, Jacob DeGrom, Lee, if he gets through six and then it's mm-hmm. Trevor May, Adam Adovino, um, I know who's the guy that y'all got um in the trade just like a month Michael or two Givens. ago. Michael Givens. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's these guys and like, you know, Adovino I think has had a good season, if I'm not mistaken, but like he the has. rest the rest are like, you know. Trevor May game on the line like he's we know he's a good pitcher right and that's it's not like a big toward him but it just hasn't been a clean season or injury or whatever reason so is that is that something that you expect to get better or is that just kind of like that is their weakness and that's just gonna have to be what they deal with you know, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, you know, those three names that you said, Michael Gibbons, Trevor May, Adam Adovino, like, I guess I trust Adam Adovino a bit because he's kind yeah. of done it all year. But yeah, May has looked a little shaky. Uh, friend of the show. I love you, Trevor. But he hasn't really put together like the best, most confident season. Right. And, and and I'm sorry. I I hate Michael Gibbons. <laughs> I, I, like, statistically, he's done pretty okay as a Met, but I just cannot feel comfortable with him coming into a game that's close. Yeah. Um, I really like Drew Smith, but he just came off the IL, and literally the first batter he faced, he gave up a grand slam. <laughs> so I, I need to see a little bit more out of him. Yeah. Um, Joely Rodriguez is is a guy who I think I have some confidence in, uh-huh. but again, I'm not really sure. And, and the thing that sucks is that with, with the race being so tight down the end, it's not even like we can afford 
to put in Joely Rodriguez into a high pressure situation in the eighth. Yeah. Because hey, we got a ten game lead in the division. If we lose this game, okay, okay, it's not the end of the world. No, if that happens, we could be down a game in the standings, right. or the Braves could win, and you know now it's tied. So we don't really have that casual. Uh, that ability to like put guys in and see what they can do, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, I think most Met fans would tell you that, yeah, bullpen is the number one concern outside of Edwin Diaz. And we always knew that was going to be the case, even going back to the trade deadline, w- which makes it so frustrating that we didn't get like a David Robertson at, at right. the trade deadline or yeah. even a Craig Kimbrell. Uh, Just some other know. live arm. You know, yeah, and I, I don't really know how the Braves bullpen compares. Like, I know Jensen has been a little come and go, especially with his IL troubles. Yeah. With his, you know, obviously his heart issue is is serious. Yeah. Um, and then I know Matzik was like a world beater last year, but yeah. he, he hasn't been really nearly that good this year, right? Yeah, he's kind of had. He started the year with a shoulder issue, and it doesn't really shock you when a guy comes from basically like off the scrap heap in 2020 to like pitching like every single game of the playoffs for the last two years, you know, like yeah, and, and, and throwing a hundred down the, down the yeah, bleep. I mean, as, as people were saying, still like my favorite pitching appearance of all time was him just throwing nothing but fastballs yeah. and just mowing down Mookie Betts, Albert Pujols. And uh, yeah, it was, it was like pretty Chris, nice. Steven Chris Souza. Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah um, that was pretty fun to watch, but yeah. he, he hasn't been that. Definitely again this has year. not been that this year. I think, I think some of the things with guys like that is, you know, it's the command stuff, right. Where you just, you lose a guy arm side every once in a while, you let out the leadoff walk and, you know, and then it kind of, you know, tumbles from there. I think he will be an important part of the bullpen, but um, it's, it's probably what's behind him. It's just the Jansen factor is very peculiar. Um, because it's kind of it's actually kind of similar with him where it's like it's the command you know it's not like uh, the stuff still looks good right like the the cutter when it yeah. when you get like the right camera angle that shows how that thing moves and how, you know it's still throwing 93 or whatever and it's like that pitch is really tough to hit but the problem is that you know he misses around the zone a couple times right when the first guy comes in and then, you know, he has to throw something in the middle or try to throw something in the middle. So he's either letting up pitches that are too easy to hit or he's not hitting the strike zone enough. And it's putting him in these situations that have just not worked out for him. And some of it's luck, right? Like, who is it? Who were we playing the other day? They bunted the Nationals. They bunted against him three times in a row. Mm-hmm. So th- the first three batters against him went bunt. And it was an, it was a pop up over his head for a single, and then the second guy bunt, and I think he just got it down the line for a like a single or an error or something like that. And then the third guy tried, and he ended up striking out. But it was just like, like when Jansen has that one guy on, it just start like all the Braves fans start to panic because Jansen has that very he's like the slowest pitcher in baseball now, right? He yeah. like takes yeah, longer yeah. than anyone else. And then it's like, oh my God, like you have to worry about anyone stealing a base. Like, it's almost free, right? Like if you have yep. legs, you can He's steal very a base. Slow to the plate. And, and the Braves don't care about throwing out guys anyway, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of like the double whammy of, oh my God, when a guy's on first base, it's almost like you can just pencil them into getting the second already. And then one thing goes wrong and the game is tied. I think there was some stat that I read where, in 
situations where he has at least two runs to work with, he hasn't like let up like anything. You know, it's like almost like automatic. You know, it's like three and out, you're done, move on. When it's one run, yeah. he has like a five ERA or something like that, right? So it's like I don't know what that means necessarily. I know some of this stuff is not necessarily his fault, but obviously, you know, he's older. I think I think a lot of times you'll see him kind of move with his back and stuff like that, right? It's like, you know, you never know if he's like fully healthy. So yeah, he does like the old Johnny Cueto a yeah. little bit sometimes. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, you know, you never know how comfortable he is in a given moment. I guess is the point there, right? right. And um, we have some other guys. Colin McHugh's been really, really good. Colin McHugh's basically been exactly what you'd expect, right? He's not the perfect mm-hmm. guy, but like the dude just throws a crazy slurve or whatever, and just gets a lot of dudes out. Um, the pickup of Rysel Iglesias has been massive and might be the reason why the Jansen thing won't matter as much because he did. Jansen is still the closer, but if something goes wrong, Iglesias has enough cachet now within the Braves to be like, you know, Snaker be like, listen, we need to get the best guy in and that's Iglesias, you know? And so that was a really crucial thing. He was another guy that I I really kind of to, wow, Met fan wants the Mets to get every good pitcher (laughs) at the deadline. Who would have thought? But like, yeah, we couldn't have gotten like Raciel Iglesias either. Like he was another guy, especially with Billy Epler as our GM, like, Hey, angel guy, you know, yeah. Trust me. Uh, and and yeah, and then he just to see him go to the Braves, just to see Iglesias go to the Braves and then Robertson go to the Phillies was just very like, yeah, guys, what are we doing? Yeah. And and that was one where like it felt like a Mets move because it was like what you're taking on is money. Right. Like it was right. it wasn't like you gave up a ton of prospects or anything. It's just the Braves said, hey, we are willing to pay Rysel Iglesias another $45 million or whatever. We'll, we'll give you like, t- like Tucker Davidson. Right. But like, you know, not like the best prospect in the world. I hope he works out, but like, you know, something that's very easy for them to give up. And then they say, Hey, we think this is a fair market rate for a really great closer slash reliever probably will be the closer next year. Um, yeah. you know, so that was a really, really smart move, I think. And, um, so the bullpen has not been perfect. Obviously, there's still a lot of dudes in there that are just really strong in general. And I think Jansen is one of those. It's just been it's just it's just made you like, uh, it's just a little more uncomfortable than maybe it should be. And then uh, on the starting rotation side, it's mostly what you'd expect. Right. Morton's been pretty good. He'll have the occasional like hits three guys and gets himself into a crappy situation. Max Freed hasn't pitched as many innings recently. I think he's had a little bit of command issues, particularly against like the Mets, where the Mets foul off and the Mets are the most frustrating. Have I told you about this? The Mets are the most <laughs> frustrating team to watch because they just yeah. foul off everything. And it must be like the Mark Canna factor. So one of these new guys that came yeah. in. Mark Canna and like Brandon Nimmo. Brandon yeah. Nimmo was kind of always been like Brandon that Nimmo. where he works count. <laughs> I'm sorry. You hate you hate runs to first McGee. God, I hate him so much. I think he's the <laughs> number yeah, he's one kinda, hater. Or I'm the number one. He's kind of always always been that player. And then yeah, Canna has kind of always been that player too. Yeah. But a lot of other guys are like starting to pick up on that work count yeah make the starting pitcher hit 50 pitches by the second inning yeah and and then we you know that's usually a recipe for success exactly. um the one guy on the braves that like scares me is spencer strider yeah, that's been and the it, one oh, <laughs> like, oh wow rookie of the year candidate might scare the mets who would have thought yeah uh but no he he's the guy that's that scares us i remember there was that one start i think it was like the first start mm-hmm. the one uh where the mets swept the yeah, braves it was, or, it was or took two the one out of three where, 
Braves fans thought the world was ending because it was I think it was four out of five right. the Mets took. It was like it, a lot. Maybe it was four out of yeah. five, sure. But like Spencer Strider was like, oh, lucky hits and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, lots of bloops. And, 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 yeah. And then I remember when we played the Braves the following week, I was like, ooh, sweet. Time for Spencer Strider to make up excuses again for yeah. why he gave up five runs. But then, like, if I recall correctly, I think he went like seven innings yeah. and gave up one run with 10 strikeouts. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh, uh, maybe not. This guy's pretty <laughs> so, good. I think he's the one guy that, like, I'm really worried about, like, facing Jake in a game one yeah. or face, facing uh, Scherzer in a game two, where it's like, ooh, maybe one run's enough, and I'm not that confident that our offense can break out against him. Yeah, I, I think the way I've described it to people who haven't seen him a lot, you know, a lot of dudes have velocity, right? Like, that's not necessarily a new thing, but it's really consistent one. Right. He's sitting that 98, 99, 100, and he has... He'll have the occasional time where it's like, okay, he needs to dial it in a little bit, right? Like he's not yeah. perfect. He's not the, you know, he's not Jacob Degrom, but he's maybe like one or two steps short of that. Where it's like the com- the command that he gets when he's on with his fastball is just like I can't believe this guy is was like not a thing. You know what I mean? It's like the, yeah. it, I feel like if this, if you had this guy and he was just like a prospect rising in the middle of the year. Right. We'd be mm-hmm. flipping out because it's like, how did he do this? And it's like he hits all the spots he wants. He's able to, like, play that game. I mean, he must have a really good relationship with Contreras or um, Darno or whoever it might be. But, you know, it always seems to have the right, you know, pitch at the right time. The slider is good enough. It's not like Jacob DeGrom, 95 miles an hour, but it, it's good, you know, and it gets mm-hmm. a lot of swings and misses because people are really have to gear up for a hundred and they, they can't let off of it, you know? And yeah. he's just brutal. If you can't catch up the velocity, you know, he, he will just massacre you if you can't catch up to the velocity. So he's been just yeah. a revelation and it's, it's crazy. You know, we mentioned like, you know, the Braves and Mets both being kind of hundred win teams and the Braves, you could make the case. Their two best players, you know, are, 21 year old Michael Harris and what 23 year old Spencer Strider. Like you could totally make like, yeah. there's Austin Riley. There's, you know, Max Freed, you know, there's other great players around. Right. But like Matt Olson's pretty good. Matt Olson's good. I'll, I'll, I'll get to him shortly, but you know, as far <laughs> as current performance, it's hard to say you trust anyone more than Spencer Strider. And he's, he's just incredible to watch. And he's definitely been like, as big of an X factor as I could have possibly imagined. You know, this is like the, you know, there's like the hundredth percentile outcome. This is like the 150th percentile outcome. It's just so great. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the guys, like I said, he's the, he's the only guy that I'm a little nervous uh, facing in uh, even the divisional series, yeah. like a little bit of a long series. I'm, I'm kind of nervous about facing him. Uh, although we wouldn't, I'm sorry. Uh, we wouldn't face him. Uh, the Dodgers would face the winner of the wild card series, right? Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, because I mean that's because they're the number one seed. That's kind of yeah. like why I think this matters so much, right? Is because whoever wins this division objectively has a significantly easier road, right? Like just mm-hmm. by the fact that you have you don't have to necessarily face the Dodgers until the end, you know, or the yeah until the championship yeah. series, and that means a lot, you know, as far as getting there. Right. And then figuring it out. So um, obviously the Braves did it once, but you don't want to have to do that again if you can avoid it. Right. Um, Let me let's let's uh, transition to the offense a little bit, because you mentioned Matt Olson. And this is a really weird time um, in the Braves offense. Matt Olson is currently hitting 230. 
and he is in pretty much the worst slump I think he's ever been in as a hitter, like really struggling uh, in like, he's not really connecting with anything. He's popping the ball up a lot. He's striking out a lot. He's kind of chasing a lot. He struggles with like really high velocity a lot of the times. And it's just from the Braves perspective, it's hard to not just imagine what the team would look like with Freddie Freeman there instead. You know, that's kind of the tough part, right? Yeah. Is that you can just <clears throat> basically throw Freddie Freeman right in that spot and you're like, ah, like, you know, I would take a 330 hitter right now, <laughs> like all day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But they, they are really struggling in a couple key areas. Um, Olsen's struggling. Riley's been kind of just normal recently. Nothing super wrong, right? But him and Swanson, like, were like, I mean, based on war and stuff, they're still among the elite players, but they've just been like pretty good recently instead of like mm-hmm. world beaters. Acuna has been dealing with this like leg and back. Like, it's just been like a year of like, you know, one step forward, one step back for him. And so you can't really say like he's like, you're like super scared of Ronald Acuna, even though you, you have to like brace for the breakout possibility, right? Um, yeah, you, you kind of have to respect Ronald Acuna, yeah. even if he's not putting together like the type of season that everybody thought exactly. he might put together. And then um, at the back is probably a bigger problem because Harris has been great, but you're still kind of playing Ozuna. You're still kind of playing Rosario. Robbie Grossman's been decent, but what what could be like a one to nine death lineup just just doesn't click all the time. It's been good enough. Like it's like again, this is a hundred win team. Like it's not like it's like a flaw, right? They like are like home run bashing teams. That's their that's their like motto, right? Is we want to barrel up everything. We want to hit home runs, and that'll win us games because we also have a good pitching staff. But sometimes when like you know they get shut down by Ranger Suarez, you know, and it's like <laughs> yeah, well that happens to the Mets too. Yeah, though. <laughs> it's, it's just when the Braves seem to have like a switch, you know, where it's like mm-hmm. if they're on in a given day, you're done. Like you don't have a mm-hmm. prayer if they're like barreling up balls, but like they're you know they're strikeout prone, and they have these spots in the lineup. Like I said, you know left field and some other places. Vaughn Grissom has kind of cooled down a little bit, even though I think he still takes good at bats and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of a tricky, weird offense to project because it's like it's just a matter of them getting hot, and that's not necessarily as sustainable as maybe some of the other teams that are a little more like disciplined and stuff. Yeah, that that's one of the things that like I really like about the Mets this year is that we don't we're, we're not so overly reliant on the home yeah. run, um, which I think is kind of like the inverse of, of what the Braves right. are going through, um, where we have guys like Lindor or McNeil or Nimmo or even Can is not really a huge home run guy. Um but like guys that can put the ball in play and just kind of make something happen. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we have a guy like Alonzo or Escobar or Marte that can hit a home run right. if need be. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the things that that's probably the thing that I really like about our offense this year. And I think is a big product of Eric Chavez being the hitting yeah. coach this year is just you, you kind of see it all the time when the Mets play ball, like just put the ball in play, make them make plays they'll throw the ball into right field and then, Hey, you're on third base all of a sudden, you know? Um, So yeah, I think that's, that's kind of like the inverse. And I think that's the reason why 
I feel so I don't really feel as nervous playing the Braves is because good pitching a majority of the time will beat guys yeah. that just try to barrel up everything and hit home runs. Yeah, I definitely um, like I said, it's it's like I, I trust I think it was kind of the formula of last year for the Braves, right? It's like if it doesn't work, it's gonna look horrible. Right. But they yeah. got Solaire, they got Rosario, they got Peterson, all of these guys who when they connect then, on balls, yeah. they hit you know, hit the crap out of them. And they all managed yeah. to hit the crap out of them in October. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. it's kind of it, like it, a right time, right place kind of situation. But you can also see the scenario, like I said yesterday, it was kind of one of those where it's like Olsen, Zuna, Acuna, a lot of these guys just swinging through and you get a lot of zeros. Um, yeah, exactly. If they're if they're kind of just facing a guy, you know, like Ranger Suarez that can just miss their bat a little bit, you know, so they can't barrel up yeah. everything, then you're good. You know, it's just going to be fly outs or ground outs. Whereas, you know, like, uh, but with the Mets, it's a little bit more of a situational. They'll, they'll most of the time, like try to recognize that yeah. and be like, okay, we have to change our approach now. The, the one thing I will say about the Mets though, and this is, I think this has kind of been the, the Twitter discourse between Braves fans and Mets fans is so chaotic and terrible, <laughs> but I think the home runs oh. versus discipline, has been kind of at the core of it, right? Because it's so key to these teams' offenses and identities. Um, but yeah, I think one criticism from the Braves sides lobbed on to the Mets side is: Can you trust a team that really doesn't have like really str- like if you look at like the expected stats, right, or like barrels and things like that? The Mets are like pretty middling in a lot of those things, right? They they do rely on a lot of patience and bloop hits and soft contact and hitting the, you know, shit hitting through the ship. Like that's like the Luis Guillaume special, right? As you shift on him and he hits to the right side. Yeah. But exactly. is that something <laughs> that they're going to be able to rely on when every pitch, you know, you're not facing the pirates rotation that's willing to walk you five times, but you're facing Spencer Strider or Clayton Kershaw or someone like that, right? Where they're going to attack you and the Mets are going to figure out how to string together things. Is that? Do you think that's going to be enough when it's like the stakes are, I guess, at their highest? Yeah, you know, I I don't know. Um, most of the time, most other years, I would say no, and just say, you know, as soon as we face a good pitcher, we're kind of going to flounder. Yeah. But but I don't know. This year we've beaten some good pitchers. This year we just beat Corbin yeah, Burns earlier one. this year, yeah. who who doesn't walk anybody yeah. uh, yet. He we drew a handful of walks against him. We you know we beat Spencer Strider a little bit earlier in the year. Um, we have beaten guys that are are good pitchers. Yeah. Um, we've be, we beat Nola a lot this year as as per usual. Um, so I'm not too concerned. Other other years, like I said, I I would think it's a little bit different. But when it's it's you've been doing it all year, I don't really think there's. Uh, a lot to be concerned about when it's so like ingrained in you, like it seems to be ingrained in this Met team. Yeah. Um, I kind of have a little bit more faith than I have in years past that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be pretty okay. I think. Yeah. And the last note I yeah. wanted to ask on the Mets offenses. I know Starling Marte broke like a finger or something like that recently. Right. Yeah. And then like a dis- 
not a dislocation, but like a displacement yeah. in his finger or something. So he can't field too well, but he could hit. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask if, you know, where they project him to be. And I know uh, Nemo, I think, was out of the lineup for something. I don't know if he's hitting the IL, if, if what his status is as well. Yeah, he just, uh, we're recording this on a Friday, and it was just the, the day before yesterday that he left a game with a quad yeah. injury. The MRI did come back. Uh, clean, so there's really nothing to worry about there. I would think maybe he takes this weekend series off against Oakland yeah. and then probably comes back for, for next yeah. week. Um, That's probably the main concern is, yeah, guys just getting healthy. Marte, come back, be okay. McNeil got banged up this last uh, couple games against the Brewers as well. That's kind of my main concern uh, with the offense now. And and Pete Alonso needs to start hitting a little yeah. bit, too. Uh, I, I don't know. He's not hurt, as far as we know. But he had a three-run home run earlier in this week. But he's kind of been in a bit of a slump for, like, the last month, right. three weeks. And it's a little concerning. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I know. I think the Mets guys have kind of come and go in phases, right? Like, Eduardo Escobar kind of had to get his footing after a while. And, you know, some others, like... Marte started off oh, slow yeah. and then he kind of caught fire. So um, I think for both teams, just a matter of getting enough. You're never going to get an entire lineup clicking, right? It doesn't work that way. Yeah. But getting enough of them clicking at the same time, if you can get Lindor and uh, Alonzo, like three or four of those guys really firing, you know, that that kind of stirs the drink, I think, there. Yeah, I, I think uh, Canna has been quietly really solid yeah. all year. I think if Canna goes, then some one or two other people in the offense will yeah. go, and that'll kind of be yeah. enough. But if Canna's quiet the rest of the year and the postseason, I think we're in trouble. Yeah. Um, I, That was one of those guys that's like, man, like, I know this is going to matter. You know, <laughs> this is one of those guys where it's like, <laughs> this, this is not going to be a guy that's going to, like, you know, disappear. This is going to be a guy who he's not he can't be a superstar. You can't. I don't even know if he can be yeah. a star, but he's going to be a nuisance. <laughs> Those guys matter yeah. a lot. So um, I, I was so hyped for the Marcana yeah. signing uh, and the Starling Marte one. I was a little bit more concerned right. about Marte because you know a little bit more money and just his game. Yeah. I, I you know speedy guy. I didn't think he was really going to stay healthy, and he hasn't mm -hmm. unfortunately. But yeah, Canna was the one where I was like, ooh, I really really like this. <laughs> and I, I'm we'll see what the. Uh, who ends up doing the intro to this podcast, but you know, congrats on the Mets for their hit by pitch record, which I think we can primarily <laughs> yeah. attribute to Mark Canna's uncanny ability to be to draw yeah, pitches he, to the shoulder. The, he's got the Mets uh, single season record for hit by congrats pitches. So good, good for um, him. <laughs> and so the last kind of notes we're going to have here, um, you know, we mentioned before, um, you get to avoid the Dodgers if you win the division, at least for a round or two, right? That's obviously a huge bonus. Um, but say, you know, all these matchups kind of work out. Phillies and Pops are currently the number three wildings. They don't have a chance of catching up to the Mets, obviously. The Brewers are the third team there, and they're a couple games back of the Phillies, kind of lower chances there, but, you know, can't count them. Out really, and the Bra Braves and Mets, I think both play the Phillies, or I think the Braves do it. The way, where do, would your comfort level be between those wild card teams? And who do you think the Mets particularly match um, between those teams that they could be facing? 
Probably, I, I know it's a probably a salty Met fan, Met fan thing to say, but I think I would prefer to play the Phillies in the first round. Mostly, I mean, obviously mostly because we had a really good record against them this year, or 14-5 yeah. and five against them. Um, but also, I don't know. I know the Padres have been kind of floundering a bit, and everyone thought they were going to be so great, and they've kind of just been like, okay. But I don't know. I don't like their starting pitching against yeah. us. Blake Snell, for some reason, always gives us fits. Um, and then even a guy like Clevenger yeah. is always kind of given us problems. But I think it's Philly. Um, coming off of this recent series against Milwaukee, I would be okay against them. But I think it's Philly. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait for Philly to, you know, win that wild card game potentially. And then, uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard can't run from us anymore, mm. uh, and, and, <laughs> and see what happens in that series. But, <laughs> um, I think I'd be comfortable with anyone that we face outside of, outside of the Padres right now, including the Braves in, in the, uh, yeah. NLDS. Yeah. I mean, you obviously get the Soto factor. He has not been good, but you know, like he, like kind of a, I, he seems to always like kind of turn can't you can't count him out like you just that is just and, just and he bat. has said he has said that he likes hitting at city yeah. field so and he definitely has enjoyed he it. always does turn it on yeah. a little bit when he plays the best oh, i can definitely <laughs> say the same for atlanta so um and you know you mentioned the padres rotation you know getting darvish musgrove snell clavenger like obviously these guys might not be peak you know like blake snell or whatever but like still a pretty that's a rough kind of gauntlet to go through you know um if you're a team the poten- all the pitchers kind of have have the potential to go out there and put up eight right. scoreless or seven exactly. scoreless. it has probably the broadest um, I don't- talent in their rotation of all these teams despite the fact that you know their red- record is so eh. absolutely and then for me i think the braves probably match up best with the Brewers. And I say that because, I mean, one, you kind of saw how last year worked out, right? The Braves kind of had one of those series that I mentioned before where it's like the bats didn't really work, right? Like the starters from the Brewers kind of handled them pretty well. Um, they The Braves got a couple home runs here and there. Jock Peterson was the hero of that series. I think he had two or three home runs in the span of two or three games. But it was kind of low scoring, but... The Brewers are kind of built like the Braves in that respect. Like, if you look at their lineup, a lot of those guys, you know, think of Rowdy Telez, think of, um, I'm blanking, Willie Adamas. You know, like, a lot of these guys are Mm -hmm. big swing, swing for the fences, swing for barrels, guys. But I think the Braves are more broadly equipped to handle that. Like, I think their lineup's better, obviously. Like, the Brewers just don't have a great lineup. And... The rotation is deeper. Obviously, you you might take Burns over everyone in the Braves rotation, but I think Strider, Morton, Freed is a better, you know, are the next three best, right, over Woodruff. Maybe, you know, you might be able to throw Woodruff in there, but then it kind of drops off pretty heavy after that. So that's kind of the team that I would look forward to. The Phillies, the Phillies are weird. Like, a lot of their stuff, like, they're going to be starting, like, Matt Veerling and, like, Bryson Stott. You know, and like in my head, I'm like, yeah. that, like, <laughs> come on, like, are you serious? Like, that, that's not going to work. But like, Rio Muto has been on like, I don't know if you've seen Rio Muto's numbers recently. He is on like a heater heater, you know, like. Yeah, he's he's quietly been really yeah. good. Um, I mean, he's always been pretty good, but especially since right. the All-Star break, he's been like really, really he's good. Like, and people don't talk about yeah, it. Enough. He's one of those, like, 
he's really good if he has a 750 OPS, right? Like he's good if he's just like solid because his his catching is never deteriorated, right? He's still like yeah. elite framer, elite, you know, arm. And then he's like 18 for 18 in stolen bases or something. Like he <laughs> he's and then he has picked up this average in power that was kind of like not there in the first half of the season. It's like, oh my God, like you get him and Bryce Harper back to back. I understand that the rest of the lineup isn't like the scariest thing in the world. Schwarber is kind of weird because it's like, yeah, he can hit the homers, but is he doing anything else? Same with like if Castellanos is healthy, but those the real Muto Harper stuff is what makes me nervous, you know? And um, the fact that yeah. they, they'll get Zach Wheeler back, I think in the next week and Aaron Nola just, <sighs> Noah's weird. I think you mentioned that the Mets have had a really good success against him, and so have the Braves. And the Braves mm-hmm. really beat him up the last time they saw him, and I think they're playing him again tonight. But um, like that should be a great, you know, help for them as far as a playoff series, right? Having two genuine aces at the top. So, um, and the Padres, like you know, like you said, I the rotation there, despite the fact that they've underperformed and they got that weird Josh Hader situation and stuff. I wouldn't want to touch them Oof. necessarily. There's just too much, too much talent there. Um, despite the underperformance with Machado, Soto, the entire rotation. Yeah, I I think the thing with the Padres is like every year it seems like you know everyone's like there's so much talent yeah. there. I, my my brain goes like they're gonna break out yeah. and like make a run to the NLCS one right. year and like the year that they play the Mets is gonna right. be that year. So <laughs> so you know they'll break out at some point. Uh, just I don't know if it's going to be this year or not, but I I, I still don't want to touch yeah. him. <laughs> um, so I think that pretty much wraps up, you know, kind of the synopsis for the rest of this playoff race, right? So, um, I think so. You know, we got it next weekend. I'm guessing it'll be close. the The thing that the perspective I've had for the last month, even with the Braves being close, is that the Mets' schedule has been so easy, like for the last month, right? Like. Lots of pirates, lots of nationals, you know, whatever. I, I've literally played yeah, Oakland starting exactly. tonight. <laughs> like I've expected the Mets to take the division, even if the teams are like equal. I think the Mets have that advantage, right? That they're the back end of their schedule was the easiest in baseball. And, you know, that's how schedules work, right? The yeah. Braves had played a lot of these was. teams, but back in May when they weren't playing so great, that's how it works, right? Um, right. So personally, I think the Mets will have at least the advantage, but I think that will be whoever takes two out of three, you know, or sweeps or whatever in that series, it that that's probably what this comes down to. And do you think that's the case? Yeah. Say so. Um, I mean, the cynical part of me is saying, you know, I can't wait to, you know, lose two or three to Oakland now yeah. and then split with the Marlins next week. And then, you know, maybe sweep Atlanta or take two out of three from Atlanta and then right after that, you know, lose two out of three to Washington and either lose the division or win by yeah. a game or something like, you know, I'm so ready for us to play sub 500 against these bad teams and then, you know, sweep or take two or yeah. three from the Braves it, just because that just seems to be how the yeah, Mets work. That has been kind of the weird saving grace for the Braves recently is that the Mets have not just completely, you know, pounded these teams that they probably should have been right. Like. Brewers kind of hung in yeah. with them more. They probably should have won that stupid game early on. But, um, you know, some of these teams that looked like easy wins were not so easy wins or, you know, whatever. 
Yeah, like I, you know, looking just looking at their opponent splits right now. You know, they lost the season series yeah. to the Cubs. Lost the the season series to uh, I mean, okay, the Astros are a good team, but lost the season series to mm-hmm. the Padres. Uh, lost to the yeah. Giants. So it's like it, it's just really yeah. frustrating. Um, so. I, I I don't know. Yeah, we shall see. Is there anything else that, you know, for maybe fans that aren't as dialed in with Mets baseball, anything else to kind of look out for or players to watch or anything else to watch on that end? I mean, in terms of aside from looking at this this division race right now, um, uh, ask me a month ago, I would have said look out for Pete Alonso potentially making an, an NL MVP mm-hmm. push. But it seems like that's kind of fallen along the wayside. He might lead the NL and RBI, but yeah. that's about it. Um, I don't know. Maybe, tune in every five days to see Jake, and then tune in the next day to see uh, Scherzer, and then listen for the trumpets oh, from Pop-In uh, to see the best closer still, in baseball. Like, it's so dope. <laughs> it's still so fun. <laughs> it, it, is, it is so cool. Uh, I'm so happy for yeah. Timmy Trumpet and, uh, and in everything that he has brought to this team and this fan base. <laughs> Thank I you. I do still support William, William Contreras using it as his walk-up song for the record uh it's fair you know what i'm i'm not i'm not going to be as angry about it as other people are it it's you're literally free to use (laughs) whatever song you want uh what what, free country uh what i am angry about is is the braves fans and the braves team trying to like take it and making comparisons it's definitely been like a it's i feel like it's like the number one like way to troll either side you know which has been uh you know chaotic but kind of funny if you that that I think is a yeah. little silly, but I'm not mad at exactly. him for using the song. It's a good it, is, song. it is a banger. It's a banger. <laughs> um, as far as the Braves, just I think watch out for Acuna. You know, like he's been out I think two games because of back tightness now, and like I said, it's been kind of like one thing or the other for him. The the he was he played two games with Ozzy back in the lineup, just destroyed. Like probably had the best game he's had in like two years. He had like a home run, a mm-hmm. double off the wall. A walk or two and then like um gunned out someone at the plate had a great catch you know one of those games where it's like holy crap this is like five tool god ronald acuna is back and then ozzy gets hurt again and then it's like ah oh, crap like it doesn't i don't know if ozzy's like the secret <laughs> yeah. sauce or whatever but um you know acuna's health is the biggest x factor the braves have left this season because we we know what these guys are capable of a vacuum right they're they're great offense they're powerful offense they they're streaky but really good um but having a top five top ten threat in baseball number one in your lineup as opposed to a guy that can connect or can be good but hasn't been you know that is the big thing and so he's got to be healthy i'm sure the game plan here is how do we find the middle ground between getting him ready for the playoffs but also he's contributing right like he's still better than starting guillermo heredia or whatever right so finding that balance between getting him right and also getting him rolling so that'll be kind of the big thing to watch at at his heart he's a he's a five tool player and there's and there's no debating that it's just can he put it all together and, you know, yeah. can he stay and, healthy? Uh, you know, I That's think, kind of I think we'll see more of that next year, you know, for people more interested in him and in like fantasy and things like that. But as uh, you know, playoffs mm. are concerned, um, obviously I think 
will he have it in time um, will be the the big thing. So um, I know there was a there was a lot of people taking him number one yeah. overall in fantasy. This and he came year, out. So. I mean, even with his injury coming out after a month, he looked great running the bases and stuff. It's just a matter of the hitting just wasn't there. Right. I think he was hitting the ball really hard into the ground. Right. That just I think it's going to take time. Yeah. And also his stolen bases have kind of dried up because he tries them a lot and he's been getting thrown out. So I don't know if that's a like he's just the leg is hurting too much or if he's not getting the jumps he's trying to get. Because usually it's like it was automatic for a while. I think it was, you know, he got 95 percent for the first half of the year and then he's dropped off really hard. Like he's probably up there as far as cost stealing. So um, that'll be that'll be huge for them and, you know, could (laughs) change this thing. But I will I will stick to my guns and say the Mets have the edge right now, but it's pretty much anyone's ballgame at this point. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I competitive baseball at the end of the year is is always okay. Yeah, it might be quote easier just to coast into the playoffs like you know the Yankees are, the Dodgers are, but it's just more fun to have competitive, meaningful games right down to the final. Exactly, game I feel the same way, and especially like last year where it's like the Braves had the division locked up for like a month or something, and now this feels more right. You know, this feels more like yeah, you know, division baseball. And yeah, it's it's exciting. Even it's stressful. You know, don't get me wrong, but it's it's exciting. Yeah. It brings you back to like ninety eight, yeah. ninety nine, two thousand, and then you know those those classic days of uh, those good teams. But I'm looking forward to it. So best of luck, but not <laughs> best too of much luck, luck to you all as well. Um, hopefully, we don't hit Mark Hanna yeah. more than a few <laughs> times. Um, but uh, it'll happen. Just make yeah. sure it doesn't hurt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that think that'll wrap it up for us. Um, Maz, thank you again for joining. Uh, I wish Taylor Swift luck on Super Bowl if that is a thing that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I know that news literally came out just before we started recording, and uh, I it's been in the back of my mind this entire time. So let you me go freak see. out. Yeah, go go hit up <laughs> your like happens. Taylor Swift like groupies, and you know we get 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 the get the scoop <laughs> for us and report back uh, later this week. But. Uh, Thanks again for joining us, and uh, we will wrap it up there. Thanks, everyone. Alright folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Our Baseball Weekly. Thanks so much for listening. Before I do the full outro, I just want to mention real quick, uh, first of all, uh, I misspoke earlier, the uh, Yankees-Red Sox game, the ESPN uh, Sunday Night Baseball game, was at Yankee Stadium, not at Fenway Park. They did call it for rain after the six innings, so no 61 for Judge there. The game did go final, uh, so we'll keep an eye on Judge for 61 and 62 for this next week and a half. Also, mentioned at the end of that last segment there, uh, Dylan and Maz mentioned that uh, Taylor Swift might be playing the Super Bowl halftime show. She won't be. It's going to be Rihanna. Uh, So uh, maybe Taylor Swift in the future. Who knows? But Rihanna will be playing the Super Bowl halftime show. So that is that. And that is it for episode 91 of Our Baseball Weekly. Uh, Our Baseball Weekly is executive produced by Lewis. Our production administrator is Christine. My name is Naim, and I edited this week's episode. I also hosted the intro along with Kevin. Dylan and Maz did our Braves Mets preview segment our theme music was composed by chuck lease our baseball weekly releases every monday morning at 1 a.m eastern time and we'll see you next week